Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. St. Louis, Missouri from, let's see, I guess I'll be there from Thursday through Saturday. So find me at the Flyover Comedy Festival. Their schedule and ticket link is on flyovercomedyfestival.com, I assume. Just look up Flyover Comedy Festival. If you're in St. Louis, Missouri, I would be very happy to see you. So please come out and support the comics support the community or don't i mean it's up to you whatever it's your weekend right you should enjoy it however you please i went to a psychic today uh, i'm recording this on sunday so i went to a psychic today for the first time in my life there are a lot of things that i did for the first time this week i went to play mini golf yesterday for the first time in my life that was super fun and I'm I'm not too bad at mini golf. The person who took me to mini golf, like she's been playing for decades, like since high school. And uh, she only beat me by two points. So what does that tell you? Tells you that I'm pretty good at mini golf. And um, that was fun. And today I went to a psychic for the first time in my life because I went to Venice Beach. I, I think I mentioned this. If I didn't, I'm doing the artist's way workbook at the moment. And they tell you to go on an artist's date uh, once a week. So I went to Venice Beach today just to walk around. I was planning on reading, but I didn't end up reading. Oh, and the other thing was I had to go to Blick, the art supply store, to buy modeling clay because I want to play with modeling clay. And um, I went to Venice Beach and there was this psychic sign like on the street so i called them and there was this old lady who picked up and she's like yeah where are you i was like oh i'm outside and she's like yeah come on up um palm reading is 20 bucks so i was like okay went in for a palm reading and you know she said some interesting stuff for one she said that i am very quick with my decision making she said that I, if I ever overthink, then I'm ruining everything so that I should not think, but I should just go with my feelings, just go with my gut. And um, there's some truth to that. Like if I think too much, then it's the worst. Like I get immobilized and everything goes to shit. Um, the other thing she said was that I have a deep spiritual and psychic energy that I am not that public about that's also true. Um, I guess nowadays it's not so true. I talk about it on my podcast increasingly, but um, yeah, I, I am private about it only because the people that I share that stuff with, they always told me that I was wrong or that I was lying. Like I remember when I was 18, 17, 18 years old, I was dating this guy and I told him that I have a tendency to be able to predict if a phone call is for me. Like, you know, you know those house phone calls. I mean, we don't have them anymore, but like the house phone, whenever it would ring, if, it, if the call was for me, I would be able to sense it. And uh, when, he told, when I told him this, he was just like, yeah, I don't believe you. So I just stopped telling people about that because it just made me feel stupid. Precognitive dreams. 
That's what they're called. It's basically when you dream about your future and it ends up happening. It's like a predicting kind of thing. And uh, that that keeps happening to me. It happened to me two weeks ago and it happened to me again this past week. Um, it was very interesting. Like, for instance, I, I had this dream that my car was too full. Like it had too many people, but there were other people who needed rides. So I, I saw my friend make a U-turn and I was basically asking my friend to take these other people home. But in the end, like everybody managed to get home. So it was fine. Like I didn't have to go in and meddle. But the day of my show, I had a, I had a show that I produced. Um, I was giving all these people rides and my car was full. But there were three other people who needed rides. And um, I was telling one of them who lives in North Hollywood, I was like, why don't you just stick around and wait? Because I have a feeling that Sean is going to pull up. And Sean lives in North Hollywood, so he could just give you a ride. But he was just like, nah, I'm just going to go home. Um, I'll just take the train. It's no problem. And he just left. And then, you know, literally a minute later, Sean made a U-turn and he pulled up. And he was like, okay, bye. And I was like, oh, can you give David a ride? And he was like, yeah, of course. But David had gone, so Sean couldn't give him a ride. And it's like... It's uncanny how often this is happening and with such frequency and with with such accuracy. And they're not like major things. You know, I'm not predicting crises. I'm not predicting major events. You know, they're very small, minor, benign. And um, I told my mom about this because I wanted to hear from her to see if maybe she had this uh, gift or this kind of ability. And, you know, my mom just basically said, yeah, she has some dreams like that, but she just doesn't think much of them. And she told me not to think too much of it. And, you know, honestly, I, I just regretted telling her about it. I was like, you know what, this is like a very special thing, I feel like that I'm acquainting with. And I regret sharing it with her, because I don't want to share it with people who can't appreciate it. I only want to share it with people who will appreciate it, and who fucking believe me and who support me. So, I decided I'm not going to share things like that with her anymore because it's it's too sad. It makes me sad. And you know what? The fucked up thing is my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she has this gift and she's very much in tune with it and aligned with it because she's Buddhist and she goes to the temple. And, you know, my grandmother, like she has the feels, basically. She can sense these things. Um, the psychic also told me not to wear metal anymore. So I removed my favorite Majuri earrings. Like I used to have all these earrings, but I removed them. She told me that metal is blocking some of my energy. So she told me to um, not wear metal on my body. So I I immediately ordered a bunch of plastic earrings because I love earrings. Um, what else? Uh, she told me that I have a tendency to fall for Scorpios. And that's very, very, very much the truth. Like I dated three... No, I dated four Scorpios in a row and I was into all of them. Like I was crazy about all of them and they all were the worst, most toxic people for me. My ex-best friend was also a Scorpio, really toxic, like one of the worst people for me. But I'm, I tend to be attracted to Scorpios very much. Um, she told me that I'm going to be encountering another Scorpio within the month and told me that if I meet them to not judge them based on my previous experiences with Scorpios. So she was like basically saying, give him a chance. And she also told me that I'm going to encounter a Libra, but that uh, that relationship doesn't have any potential. So she told me to let it go, um, which is weird. Like I don't really ask people about their birthdays and their horoscopes. So I don't even know if I encountered a Libra. I don't think I did, but it's just funny. Um, she told me that I'm a highly creative person, that I am a writer at heart. She told me to start journaling, which is funny because I've been journaling for years. I'm already a published writer. Like she was very accurate about that. 
she told me that I can make money with my writing. And that's also true. I've made some money with my writing, but she was telling me to really uh, get disciplined and focus on it. So I am going to concentrate on that. And uh, what else? She says some other stuff about longevity. I have a very long life ahead. And I don't know. She also said that I'm very lucky. She said that I have a few interviews lined up. She said I have three interviews lined up. Um, and that's true. I have an interview tomorrow morning. So when this podcast is live, I will be interviewing for a job, for a job I really want at, in New York at a university for a very coveted position. I really, I've been vying for this job for months. I've been writing about it for months. I've been, I contacted all my friends in New York and in LA and my fucking mom. And I was like, can you please, you know, ask for this? Like, I really want this. And um, yeah, I think my chances are good. I think I have a good shot at it. So I'm going to give it my all and let's hope for the best. Today, I'm going to talk about the show One Spring Night. For those of you who don't know, One Spring Night is uh, written and directed by the same people who wrote and directed Something in the Rain, which we've all discussed. You have the same ensemble cast, pretty much. The only person who swapped out is the woman. So instead of Son Yejin, you have Han Jimin. And you still have Chung Hae-in in it. The mother plays a radically different role in One Spring Night. So when we were watching There's Something in the Rain, you know, Kyu Hae-yeon's character was very toxic. She was um, basically a misogynistic woman. But for this show, she plays the opposite. She's very passive. And she is almost like a an abused woman. She has this like domestic abuse victim kind of aura or energy around her. And her husband is kind of a monster. He is. He is so obsessed with status and titles and money that he is willing to pawn off and sell off his three daughters to anybody who has money and status. And of course, his eldest daughter is... A victim of domestic abuse uh, and sexual assault by her own husband, and um, yeah, like he—he's basically telling her like you should stay with your husband because he has money and he's rich and he has status and blah blah blah. So it's a deep exploration on that and basically how a woman is supposed to fight through that kind of social gaslighting and stand on her own two feet and hang on to what it is what what her inherent self-worth is what her inherent value is and um oftentimes it's it's unfortunately i feel like this is the unfortunate message that these tv shows it's coming from another man right so in this case um chung hayen i mean he plays he basically had the exact same role for sun yejin's character in there's something in the rain but that's something I kind of disagree with. I wish there were shows where the female protagonist who is suffering the same kinds of abusive circumstances, where she sort of figures out a way out without a man intervening. How does she do it through other means? And this show also uses a lot of Rachel Yamagata music in it. And honestly, it was it was too much. It was like Rachel Yamagata overload for me personally. Han Jimin and Chung Hae-in do not have chemistry. Okay, so for There's Something in the Rain, Sun Ye-jin and Chung Hae-in had perfect chemistry. It was almost like 
Hyunbin and Son Yejin kind of chemistry. I, I mean, it's just a testament to how great of an actress Son Yejin is. Honestly, I think she she could just adapt to anybody, and she just always gives a perfect performance. But Han Jimin, who is a very very gifted and talented actress, she and Jung Hae do not have chemistry. There were so many awkward scenes and moments because they just lack chemistry, and that was really driving me insane. But nonetheless. I thoroughly enjoyed this show because it addresses some very important things when it comes to how patriarchal and misogynistic a society can be, and how that affects young women, and it affects their family. Right, like their three sisters on this show, all of them, you know, they're very close, and all of them are affected when one of them is suffering. Like all three. Just feel for one another, and that just really goes to show how deep this stuff runs. Um, in any case, I thought it was a a decent drama. I don't think it was as good as There's Something in the Rain, but I respect it for what it is. Today's guest is Crystal Adams. She is a very talented comedian. I mean, she's she's a beast. Honestly, she did JFL. She is a writer. Consultant on Netflix, she is a hilarious comedian. She's a brilliant writer, and she is immensely wise. That's the biggest takeaway from my talk with her: how deeply wise she is, how analytic she is, how sharp she is. Like I was really enamored by Crystal's mind, genuinely, and. I loved some of the things that she mentioned, including how sensitive comedians are and how much calculating they need to do, how they absorb everything. And honestly, though, talking about comedy, like nerding out on comedy, was like my favorite thing with Crystal. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and、um, yeah, I learned a lot from it. And I also got emotional while talking to her on this episode, especially when we're talking about like. Brothers and parents, like family stuff, you know, and that's how I know that like some of that stuff still weighs heavily on me. It ju- it just does. I think family stuff will always stay with us to some extent, you know.、Uh, in any case, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think you will too. So let's talk to Crystal Adams. Yeah.、Um, okay, so you've been there two years, no AC, no AC. Yeah. So I would really like to live in Glendale. That would、oh, be my、yeah. preference.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glendale's dope. I love Glendale. Yeah,、right. he seems to think that it's it's not that great, and I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, what 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 is it that you like about Glendale? Well, I think we could get like like I think our dollar would go further there. Uh huh. Yeah. Get some pretty nice bedroom, whereas like the two bedrooms here, like. In order to get something as nice as what you get in Glendale, you're paying like five hundred dollars more a month. Yeah.、Um, like we just saw two、uh, two bedrooms that are in our area that we're in now, like kind of nearby,、mm-hmm. and the ones that are in our budget just look like shit. They、yeah. look like crap. It's、no. not good.、Um. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good feeling. Yeah. And it's like where you live. You want to live in a place that you feel good in. Mm-hmm.、Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love where we live now. It's just like it's out of our budget to be、mm. in a place that has more space with AC and yeah, parking. 
for sure. Those to mm. me are like non-negotiables in LA. Parking, a must. AC, a must. Laundry on site, a must. Like to me, mm -hmm. those are non-negotiables. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so are you, what, what are, part of town are you in right now? I'm in the valley. I'm in the fucking in the valley. valley. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, the dollar stretches far here in the valley. That's why I live here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like a lot of people give me shit for living here. And I used to feel like ashamed of it. But I'm like, all of you guys live with like nine other people in Echo Park. You know? Yeah. I'm like, I have my own fucking apartment, like a true adult. So yeah. fuck yourselves. <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't know how some of these comics do it like the ones that live with a bunch of other comics i'm like how like that sounds like a nightmare i don't think I could. it do is that. a nightmare really? it really is um i think we really got sold a raw deal in so many respects in terms of like what like what is expected of uh comics and then what is we're expected to like put up with living standard wise <laughs> i mean it's literally the reason why I don't tour. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you talk with comics and they're like, oh, yeah, I just did all these shows. And they're like, oh, are you going out? I'm like, well, where did you stay when you went? <laughs> he was like, my car. I'm like, yeah. Do I look? Does that even vibe with you? Can you even imagine me sleeping in my car? <laughs> I don't get it. Like as women, like we have vaginas, you know, we have vaginas. Yeah. <laughs> we can't just be out, you know, yeah, in a car, <laughs> on a mattress in somebody's living room that we don't know. We can't just do that, you know, like. And I literally, and you know, I think people think it's getting better, but I just just heard, uh, read a horror story that got posted in a couple of Facebook groups of a woman that like tried to stay with a comic in San Francisco and then it was clear like he was looking for something physical in exchange for her staying there that happens all the time yeah and people are like they don't understand like they take it such for granted yeah yeah like even um I mean did you ever do this like I don't know it was like a romantic idea I was like when I'm in my 20s I want to do like a cross-country trip like have you done this I never did. I did one like one road trip with a group of friends, but I've okay. never done a cross country trip. Yeah. So that's like this, like, you know, uh, romantic kind of concept that like American novelists had. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like white boys, basically, you know, uh -huh. who wrote these fucking novels like on the road by Kerouac yeah. and shit, you know, <laughs> and it's like he got to do that because he was white and a man, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I was moving from New York to L.A., I drove cross country alone and I was like, I'm doing it. But I was terrified the whole time. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what racist piece of shit I'm going to see on the road. I don't know what fucking pervert I'm going to meet on the road. Like I was on the road, but I was mm -hmm. very much isolated and just staying in my hotel room. Like I didn't even go out to eat at restaurants. I would just, you know, go through drive throughs It was all for my safety and protection, you know. So um it's a yeah. very different experience. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen a couple of TikTokers, like, and women, and I'm like, power to them. They're like doing the van life and like being very cute and doing photo shoots. And I'm like, but 
not me um like i'm gonna watch like you you've got your setup and it looks really cute and like idealistic but the Mm -hmm. this is not reality i mean like literally a woman like we're just we're finding people out in the wilderness that have gone missing still so all the time (laughs) and they're always women Yep, always women. Gabby <laughs> Petito, recently mm-hmm. this Korean American chick from New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was in Joshua Tree with Kristen a couple of weeks ago, and we walked into this vintage store just to look. And the mm-hmm. man, the owner, goes, "Hey, do you know this woman?" It was that this woman that was in the news, and we we're like, yeah. "No, no." He's like, "She went missing here. She's a friend. Like I kind of knew her. She had like oh, a man. sketchy boyfriend." I'm like, "Of course, she had a sketchy boyfriend." Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, like they found some remains, but they don't know if it's her. But somebody said like they saw somebody who looked like her. I was like, yeah, well, you know, a lot of Asians look alike to you guys. So it's that's probably one of those situations. You know? Like, but yeah, like, I mean, it happens all the time and it's always women. So, yeah, we have to yeah. be careful. And that's the thing, like going on the road, like I go on the road a lot. But for me, it's like I don't make anything back when I go on the road because mm-hmm. I I'm not going to stay on somebody's like a stranger's floor i'm not gonna mm-hmm. stay in my car i'm gonna mm-hmm. stay in an airbnb or i'm gonna stay in a hotel right mm-hmm. so it's like um it, it's yeah like going on the road doesn't make money for me at this moment <laughs> in time. yeah 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 and you have to do so much managing of yourself and like coordinating all that shit and like yeah it's a lot of work be your own travel agent and mm-hmm. manager and mm-hmm. yeah yeah. So much fucking work. It's like very stressful. But <laughs> and yet people are like, why don't you do it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, just do it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Have you tried it? It's a nightmare. <laughs> and you know, like I mean, that's so interesting. Like we see privilege in that way too. We see how privilege operates even in something that's as uh routine and default as the road, right? Like how it's the whole setup and the system is designed to um, work for certain people of certain identities and it doesn't work for the rest right mm-hmm. it's so fucking yeah. fascinating right yeah yes, so then <laughs> what then what do you do like what is like your favorite thing to do as a comic like just local shows or comedy festivals or like what's the what's your thing so it's it it changes every year. Mm. So I think before the pandemic before the pandemic like I'd say maybe 2 years before the pandemic mm-hmm. and and that the, that's the fascinating thing about what's happening now. But so before the pandemic 2 years before the pan- pandemic was my goal was uh, I just wanted to see if I could like how many shows I could get booked on without like just by being out. Right. I actually didn't, I didn't ask to be on any shows. Mm. I was at this point where I'm like, I want to, I want to know, I, I need some sort of like harder litmus test for like knowing whether or not I can do this and mm-hmm. whether or not I'm improving. Mm. And to me at that time, the best, the, the best test was, am I getting booked on shows without asking? Mm. And, and it started to, and it started to happen. And then there was just like this momentum thing. Um, mm. And it was really cool. And, and like really built a lot of my confidence to be like, okay, I think I have a val, I think I have a, a viable 
career in this. Mm-hmm. And I just, if I just dig my, you know, my uh, feet in a little bit further, then I could, you know, take this somewhere. Mm-hmm. So then the pandemic happened. And then um, I really had a moment of like, well, do I even want to do this? I think a lot mm-hmm. of people had that. Like, yeah. because I was kind of getting burnt out. There was a lot of like the pursuit of comedy that was like making me upset or frustrated and just like not happy. And <laughs> yeah. And so it was really good in the pandemic to just be like, okay, what is it that I like about comedy? What do, right. what, if I could boil it down to what I enjoy about stand up? Yeah. And, um, you know, and I was trying to do more mics and stuff and it was out like before the pandemic, but it sounds so stupid because it's so like duh Mm -hmm. but like literally i realized what i loved about comedy was doing shows Mm -hmm. yeah literally that was it it was like i like shows i Mm. like a show there's an audience the focus is on the comic there's not crazy things going around like Mm -hmm. it's set up for comedy i like shows Mm. and if i can build my life around like making that the bulk of what I'm doing with stand up, mm-hmm. then that will maintain my love of it. Mm. And because I think like protecting your love of something is the key to like sticking it out long enough to getting something really cool. Mm-hmm. And, and so that really has been my goal and like not to, you know, run myself ragged trying to get this spot and this spot and yeah. this spot, but like yeah. really trying to protect my love of stand up. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Did you know that Lisa Lampanelli quit comedy and became a life coach? I did know that. Yes. <laughs> it's because <laughs> that happened to her. She mm-hmm. grew disillusioned with comedy. She hated comedy mm-hmm. by the end. Yeah. And I love that, you know, you like maintaining love for something is work. It's part of the love. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you have that a multidimensional perspective on it, because um, you know, as comedians, comedy is our first and last love. Like, mm-hmm. I was just telling my friend the other day, I was like, I'm not in a relationship right now, but even if I was, <laughs> like, that person would come second to comedy. Like, right now mm-hmm. in my life, everything comes mm-hmm. secondary to comedy. You know, everything. Like, comedy is the first mm-hmm. and foremost priority. Mm-hmm it's my main focus and everything. And um, if you want to continue that love and you know yeah. who and what you are, then you got to do everything you can to maintain it, nurture it, protect it, like you say. And that in and of, its- of itself is the love work. I love that. Yeah. Because for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, it's, I think, I think the mistake sometimes with comedy is sometimes like, really boil to a very small subset of things. And so like, for example, like JFL, right. Mm-hmm. Or like being taken on the road with somebody mm-hmm. or uh, like, like getting a late night special. Mm-hmm. Like if, if those small pool of things are only things that you could get out of stand up, then yeah, maybe you need, I guess to maybe like follow certain people's footsteps and like just grind, 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 I guess. Mm-hmm. But also those things have come to people through like, of like weird ways. Like, yeah. you know, 
the people have gotten late night specials off of like something they never expected. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like I, in terms of like, I guess it's like maybe like more like an, and like an Eastern mentality, which is like Mm -hmm. kind of going with the flow of like, Mm -hmm. what is opening up to me based on me doing this thing that I know that I'm supposed to do Mm. rather than trying to push and grab onto something that is not coming to me like yeah. just because somebody told me I I should want it. Yes. 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 And what I love about that is uh it gives you more sense of agency in all of it too, you know, so that you don't feel trapped and uncertain and unhappy. So bottom line, you got to know who you are. <laughs> Have a secure mm-hmm grounded foundation of who and what you are and what it is Mm -hmm. that you want right like that should be the beginning stage and a lot of you know with comedy a lot of people start out young like teenagers like early 20s like that's when they start and that's still in formation and development and so when somebody says something it just comes right in right and you know sometimes that could create problems i started comedy when i was like um older yeah so it's yeah me too Mm -hmm. i i feel more confident in it i think that's the upside Mm -hmm. to it like um some comics like bobby lee like i I don't like it when they have these determinist stance but bobby lee would be like i saw so and so like he's really funny but he started comedy when he was like older like 25 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's like <laughs> if he had started when he was younger I think he would have been fucking like a beast by now I'm like 25 Jesus Christ you know and um but then I was talking to somebody like Judah Friedlander and he was like there's no age when it comes to comedy you just do it you know yeah and ultimately comedy I, I'm sure you would agree is writing you have to be a good writer right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um even though i wasn't necessarily a comic i was writing i was a writer most of my life so i think because i had that you know sort of tucked away as a skill it also mm-hmm. helped me hone my craft faster and better as an older mm-hmm. person yeah yeah mm. um do you have like a writing ritual or anything um well now so I guess I've recently been on a journey to like um, try to motivate myself to write because I am one of those people who I am I am a I'm a very reluctant writer, mm. which um, I think surprises some people because I think I think the way that I that I think and that the way that I do stand up it indicates writing. It yeah. indicates like, wow, like she's, bitch is writing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, th- and, <laughs> and I've gotten that ever since I started stand up. Yeah. but I am a really reluctant writer because, and, and part of it, um, it, it's related to what I said about like what I realized in the pandemic about what I loved about stand up because yeah. to me, the best way to motivate me like i'm i am mo- literally motivated by um an instant reaction 
Hmm. And so that's my, since that's my motivation center, Hmm. that's what gets me in the creative spirit. And Hmm. the further I am out from that potential, Mm -hmm. the less motivated I am at, I am. So, yeah. So it's, it's really hard for me to write when there's not, if I'm not going to share it with somebody right away, or if I'm not going to perform it right away. And so what I used to do, like when I was... Um, when I was first starting was I would literally go to just go to an open mic an hour before it started Mm. because it was the closest time between writing to performing oh interesting um yes and but now um I mean because I've had to reassess like what what even I how I even want to work out material because the the um one of the unfortunate things about um going to a lot of open mics especially in LA is that and, and especially if you're like somebody who is attuned to like what the audience will want, like I literally can walk into, you can, you can just see like mm-hmm. what that crowd is going to like. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most of the people that are at these open mics are not the people who are at shows. Mm-hmm. And, and even, I think even deeper than that, most of the people that are at the open mics are not people that I actually even care about making laugh. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is, is that I still am like driven by the need for the laugh. And so what's happened is that I have this, um, I have this tick, I have this compulsion mm-hmm. to do the material that fit what I know that they're going to like at yeah. that open mic right. or do the material in a way like even perfect way that I perform it and say it in a way that they will like. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that anymore because it is preventing me from getting to some deeper stuff uh. that I, I want to get into mm-hmm. and that I feel like I can't. So now what I'm doing is, is actually like, and I was actually really, um, uh, encouraged by um, Robin Tran kind of posting about like her experience and journey to JFL and like not being able to perform and like, you know, what she did in order to prepare for that. And I'm like, mm. this is what I've sus- I've had a suspicion of that could work and that mm. I'm trying to do, which is like, now that I have the skill of knowing how to perform for people, now mm-hmm. that I have the skill of like, even just a comedy ear, like, People, mm-hmm. you can never underestimate the importance of just like an ear for mm-hmm. it, right? Um, so I have broken down all of my material into um, it's in like this. I use this thing called Airtable, which is really helpful to kind of see a mm. project and and it's like um, all what state it's in and what mm-hmm. state different parts are in, which is really cool. Yeah. Okay. So literally, I have everything that I'm working on, but it's broken up into and I can see it like at once. Mm -hmm. um things that just need tags like i love this bit right now it just maybe could use some tags or maybe you can expand it yeah um this is an idea or a premise like this needs a lot of work yeah um and this is like the concept is there but it needs punchlines now right and so now when i like get in i try to like every day revisit that and be like okay what do i have the energy for do i have energy for to just look at something like add tags or do i have energy to like just write about my life right now like Uh memories that i have so anyway so that's that's kind of i guess in terms of a ritual that that 
that is the closest I have been able to come to like, yeah, something, yeah, something that's yeah. Re- more regular. Man, you're so organized. I love it. And even in your like logical, organized kind of methodical way, you're still got you still got this like new agey <laughs> approach to it. As in, like, you're like, what do I have the energy for? <laughs> You're, 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 you're so like you're such a you're so SoCal man, <laughs> so California. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like fucking yo Asian nice. people, Asians, right? They do that fucking airflow chart and what to what strategy, but they will literally like. <laughs> fucking flog themselves and beat themselves up you got to finish this shit in the next hour or else you're a piece of shit you're ashamed you're a disgrace (laughs) to your family like that's how asians do it and they wonder why they're they're always killing themselves they wonder why they wonder why korea has such a high suicide rate it's because they don't do it like crystal does it's like what do i have the energy for today what am i feeling that's important I actually I got the idea from a, a a guy who is a like a pilot writer and like he helps people out yeah. with their pilots and um yeah. yeah he kind of does that I mean because I I mean a good lord I if I could if I could finish a decent pilot man l- listen I'd be I'd have a million dollars right now because I just know mm. like I I feel capable but I also know like I have so many. I have so many self-defeating thoughts. Oh. And so some of this is just like trying to work back yeah. from all of that, that I learned that like that I learned incorrectly in my body, in my mind, in my emotions. Mm-hmm. So this is really my attempt at managing what is the chaos of that's keeping me from what yeah. I actually want. Yeah. Yeah. It's always our own selves that are in the way. And it's not even our true selves that are that's standing in the way. It's like um, mm-hmm. you see those TikTok videos. It's kind of gross where like the owner of a dog or a cat would brush the dog or cat and take their fur and then gather it and mold it into another dog or cat. It's like white people <gasps> shit. No. Like it's really gross and weird. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's it's basically that it's like dead skin cells or waste mm-hmm. that we should have shed and thrown away but it ends up becoming mm-hmm. another image of us and stands in our fucking way blocking the light blocking the yeah. other side and we're trying to get there but it's yeah. standing in the way and mm-hmm. that stuff that we had been shedding it's like you know it's debris right it's waste it's like shit that teachers have said parents have said any authority figure that was irresponsible in their work have said that Mm -hmm. we believed we ended up believing right that's what they call Mm -hmm. it call it a limiting limiting belief the false Mm -hmm. lies even our structures like you know neoliberalism or colonialism or capitalism you know all that shit standing in the way and yeah you're right like it's with everybody I think have Mm -hmm. you let, let me ask you this. Have you figured out a way to like code switch those kinds of negative voices or have you figured out a way to like get past them or subside them? Like what strategies do you have for that? Well, I mean, it, I guess when it comes to like self-esteem, I, 
Like, I, it's weird. I, I definitely don't have low self-esteem when it comes to stand-up, which is which is nice. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, when it comes to like writing, and especially like like I've been trying to finish a pilot for so long. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say no. <laughs> yourself you know <laughs> it is like i can i can identify the source of some of them and and some of it is like yeah and, and i don't say this to blame my mom because my mom has been through so much shit but i yeah. think i think a lot of my how i fashioned what i would be and my how i go for things and how i like um even invest time in like what i enjoy is mm. tied to like how i saw my mom live her life yes and my mom i feel like for so long up until she retired lived half a life huh i think she lived like i think she just survived i think she was depressed most of mm-hmm. my childhood mm-hmm. um and like did like I mean, in spite of that, did some amazing things for us and like we're able to go places and like, you know, do stuff. But like every day, just seeing her go back into her room, just like need to zone out and watch TV. And part of it was like what was happening at home with like her, I mean, her former husband, but also Mm. what was happening at work. Like she was just daily being passed over for things that she was more than capable of. Like, and so she's like, you know, like trying to deal with the trauma of being a black woman and not being listened to and not being respected in the workplace that she deserves all of those things for and all of like Mm -hmm. the things that happen in her life that like that prevented her from being able to achieve certain things and so what i saw what i got to see was somebody just like doing their best to survive trauma Mm -hmm. as opposed to um somebody what's inside of them looking for what's inside of them now i'm getting to see that and i'm really excited my mom literally i saw my mom's taking pictures she's got a she's like at a masquerade ball or something Uh Uh um she was in like temecula at a wine tasting the other day oh uh homegirl it's like a 12 year old literally (laughs) i'll call her at 4 p.m she's like i'm eating waffles what um She's yeah. living her best life. She fucking deserves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am also at my point in my life healing from mm-hmm. that. Mm. Healing from how to what does it mean to be an adult woman? Yeah, and live from a, from the fullness. Yeah, of life as opposed to just like zoning out because. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love what you're saying. I I relate to it a lot because I grew up with a depressive mother as well, like very repressed, depressed, Mm -hmm. codependent on on my father who has like anger issues, like a marine man, like OCD, narcissism, all that shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never knew this, but like my therapist sort of put it into perspective for me because I like what I like doing sometimes. It's a sign of 
unhealthiness. But what I like to do sometimes is I like to just smoke pot and then eat a bunch of shit while watching like five movies in the uh-huh. dark, in the dark. Right. I like doing that. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's not healthy to do, but I like doing that sometimes. And um, my therapist was like, that's a form of self-abandonment. And mm. when she said that, I got really emotional because like um, my whole uh, trauma thing is based around abandonment. I have like abandonment mm. issues because of childhood stuff. And I was like, I didn't realize I was doing that to myself mm. through something I thought I liked doing. Yeah. You know, it's like... Um, I don't know what to call it exactly. I'm sure psychologists would know, but it's like a form of reliving that trauma, um, but believing that this is enjoyable, you mm-hmm. know, but it's it's just like something I'm used to or familiar with. And I think it's a comfort, but it's not. It's bad to, it's bad for my body. It's bad for my mind, bad for my emotions. It's bad for my spiritual existence and my spiritual being. It's not good in any which way. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I'm, but then last night I was thinking about this too. I was like, but sometimes I, <laughs> I kind of do want to get the fuck away from myself, you know? <laughs> I was mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, like I spend all morning, I do this every morning, all morning I'll like meditate, I journal, morning pages, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Yeah. And then <laughs> I try to spend my day more productive, like some writing or reading some something productive and then at night I'll do my comedy and by the time I get home I want to shut down and like eat junk food and watch some tv and zone out mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm almost like but I need that I need the part where I kind of you know sometimes like kids are too fucking rowdy you want to just shut yourself up in the other mm-hmm. room and be like I, I need a fucking break from this goddamn kids you know yeah and it's like I'm like wondering like is that part so bad? Like if I want to limit it to like a couple of hours at the end of the day, after I've done everything I'm supposed to do and sort of, you know, kind of like. Yeah. I think people that have never done stand up don't get that because mm-hmm. there's a high, like the endorphins and like and the, adrenaline. Yeah, the dopamine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's there. It, even even a bad show, it's the the <laughs> amount of sensory input that you are taking in. Yeah. To me, it's the same thing of like, you know, just like, I mean, as I am, I, I am a non-socially awkward introvert. Yeah. So, but I can tell when my point is where I'm like, oh, the timer has gone off. Mm-hmm. I'm done talking to people. I can't do it anymore. Yes. And literally, but people were like, how can you do stand up? I said, because nobody's interrupting me. <laughs> that's that, <laughs> that's why that's how that's how because it doesn't take energy when you yeah. don't have to worry about being interrupted. Yeah. And it's so funny because everybody has an origin story. And I'm real. I, I literally realized this year is that everybody thought I was quiet as a kid and yeah, so I was quiet as a kid. Everybody thought I was um, quiet, but it turns out they were just loud. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I do this exact same thing that you do, which is like I need, I need to um, step away from processing everything because you're, you're not just processing like the social interactions that you had with like individual comics as you came in, like you know, like. realizing like oh this person they didn't recognize me um this person saw me but they acted weird and like Mm -hmm. they brought in some sort of energy there Mm. like 
and um and then you got to go on stage and then so then afterwards you're also processing like well okay i i fucked that joke up but like this one went well okay mm -hmm. this is good i need to like turn you know tune that mm -hmm. in like dial that down like mm -hmm. that, that table over there had a weird energy like did they not like me or did they mm -hmm. not like me because i'm this because mm -hmm. i'm that mm -hmm. and it is not helpful to try to answer all those questions every night and so right. i'm gonna say i think there is something good about like the the distance yeah because you can't I heard that phrase. There's like, I don't know who says it. Maybe you know who somebody says like a well-lived, like, what is it? It's like a well, a, like a good life is a well-reflected life. Something like mm. that. We are constantly reflecting. Yes. As comedians, we are constantly reflecting. And I feel like the perfect time to turn off that reflection is at the end of the day after yeah. a show. Oh, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> yeah it's hard that's the other thing like part of the binge eating for me is also like because that adrenaline and all that stuff is up it's like my body is like ready for war now it wants to go and do shit but mm -hmm. I I don't want to exercise because if I exercise mm -hmm. I'm going to be awake till 4 a.m you know but that's mm -hmm. it's sort of mm -hmm. like your body is geared up for that so and I don't drink alcohol you know mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm not gonna go to a bar and pick up some yeah. person and fuck them all night you know like <laughs> I wish I could be a sluttier bitch I can't I'm not built that way you know so I, I can't you know like all those stories about like rock and rollers and musicians the reason why they do drugs the reason why they mm -hmm. you know are unfaithful to partners it's because of that it's because of precisely this it's the aftermath of getting mm -hmm. off stage and what do I do with all this fucking hormones and energy and um, yeah, it's like, we gotta mm -hmm. figure out a way. So today I was like kind of um, doing morning pages and meditating and I was like writing out, I was like, how do I shut this off? I don't wanna get high and just eat shit and watch friends for the 80th time. How do I end this <laughs> nightmare of a cycle? How do I stop this train, man? And the answer was just paint. And I was like, because I paint, I paint. Mm -hmm. But I was like, that's, that's, that's a lot of work. I don't want to. He's like, but that, <laughs> but, the answer is, but that is the one thing you can do because it's physical. You know, mm -hmm. it's got both your hands involved. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're literally creating something for your eyes to take in rather than watching something that somebody else made. So yeah. do that, Grace. And then you're going to tie yourself out and you're going to go to bed. Yeah. And I was like, fuck okay you know? <laughs> it's, not as, it's not as chill as eating cheez-its and watching watching yeah. a sitcom yeah. <laughs> being healthy is hard work it really is hard work being um, healthy is hard work i uh, i started um when I was in the UK, I I started having like real issues falling asleep. Mm -hmm. And part of it was like, I was going through a health scare, which I'm fine now. But okay. um, the, the, the thing I ended up that is still to this day has been working for me. I started using sleep stories. Oh. Um, yeah. And they're like, there's this app and the, these stories are like specifically crafted to, like they're just interesting enough 
that mm. you like want to listen, but they're not so interesting that you like want to stay up to hear like the rest of what happens. But also they actually, they literally are built um, hypnotically. Okay. So they, they're built in like a structure and a string that, that actually hypnotizes you into sleep. God damn. And when I tell you it, this, this shit works. Mm. Like, for me anyway like i there's and there's a few stories i've tried several of them like some of them in the early days when they were trying to figure it out like it's clear they were still working out the kinks um <laughs> but like cuz there, there's this one where like this woman has like a very awful french accent and i'm like ooh no um and then there's this one where this guy he mis mispronounces a word and it totally takes me out. I like I can't. I was like I can't. I can't go to sleep now. You you said this word wrong. What is the word he says? Oh, he said he. And then the boy riffled through the bag. I said oh. no. Oh no, that's a big one. I'm angry. <laughs> I would have written a letter. <laughs> But all of the rest of their stories that I've listened to have been on point and like okay. literally put me out. Like there's this one that's like a seance and then one like yeah. I'm like helping a scientist with yeah. like experiment. I don't know. It, oh, my God. Anyway, but so that's a kind that of participatory. Some a little yeah like there's one where like she's now like you get to pick what room you're going to stay in in the spaceship oh. at, before oh. it goes to over like saturn and like you're looking at the different rings of oh different things like it's that's amazing i love it you know and what the, some of the voices yeah. yeah you know what i'm realizing i'm is... gonna send you the trial <laughs> <laughs> is it in the calm app because i have the calm app no okay. it's relax melodies oh shit okay i've never heard of that one all right yeah mm -hmm. please send it to me um <laughs> no you know sometimes when i listen to those things I kind of get out of the the state of mind because my comedic brain comes in and I'm like, I'm, this is pathetic. <laughs> you know, Sarah Schaefer has a bit about sleep stories because I think so I, I, I saw that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just like, I feel I feel like a loser. I'm what you're I'm listening to talk about folding laundry. I, I'm a fucking to to do something that's that should come naturally to me, which is falling asleep. Like I shouldn't, <laughs> it's a bodily function. I shouldn't need to have to pay some asshole to read me a mediocre story to fall asleep is stupid. It's dumb. I feel like an asshole. I should be killed. If I was in the wilderness, I should be eaten by a bear or a lion. You know, like that's how I, I feel about it. You have to embrace whimsy, you know, okay. like I... <laughs> Embrace See, the thing whimsy. about me is, is that like, I, and I have, I try to joke about this because I think I appear very like serious. Huh. Like, I think people literally look at me and are like, she is reading, like, she, she's at home reading philosophy books. <laughs> oh. When what i like at my truest form mm -hmm. i would be watching muppets all day yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and so i think like i think maybe there's just like room in my heart for like the silliness yeah. of like how ridiculous the the paradox is of uh -huh. my of who i am <laughs> like yeah. yes 
I do look like I have my life together, but I do need a bedtime story. And yeah. like, I, <laughs> I love Disneyland. And like, I, <laughs> I, I literally, I will convince anybody who's with me and they will have literally, I've had several people say who have been to Disneyland before. Yeah. But went with me and was like, <laughs> This is the best time I've ever had at Disneyland. <laughs> I could even be a service, you know? You could even be like, if you want to have the best time at Disneyland, hire me. You're going to have a fucking blast. It will be in your scrapbook for Yeah. All, for Honestly, I would do that. <laughs> yeah. If they just paid for my ticket, I yeah. wouldn't even need to make a profit. I would just <laughs> no 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 you should you should charge for that fee for that for that service because there's so many people who don't know how to have fun you know you meet people like that there are certain people who just don't know how to enjoy themselves mm-hmm. they don't know how to have fun they could be in the funnest place on earth and they're just like like miserable and anxious and it's like sometimes they need people like you you know yeah it's like uh those um like what do you call those service animals that they yeah. take with you? But you're like a person. You're like a buddy. <laughs> you know. I love being compared yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> but you're an actual human buddy. You're like a buddy that is hired. You know, like rich people would hire people for that. They do it all the time anyway. You know, their That's weirdo, true. their weirdo son, who's all fucked up because of their rich parents. They're like, my son needs a friend. Can you be their friend? Uh-huh. Yeah, for like see that's that now I now I definitely want money for that. Yeah. That's I don't know. <laughs> that's a service. You gotta charge. Um and the other thing that came to mind as you were talking about these stories is like I like I like how you put it. It's like a story that is not that interesting, but just interesting enough to keep you kind of engaged but half tuned out, which means that it's a mediocre yeah. story, right? Think of how many mediocre writers there are in the world. Oh, my God. They now have a calling. (laughs) They now have a function. They have use value. You guys can sell your shitty (laughs) mediocre stories that your agents and and publishers have rejected and send it to these apps and have some (laughs) theater school graduate read it in her melodic voice and put people to sleep. Oh, my God. Aster. That's Aster her name. It's one of their names. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Get her God. on it. I can't. I, just, mm-hmm. I can't stand it. <laughs> and then Samantha Boffin. Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> They're like celebrities now. These women, oh, they didn't, yeah. they didn't see this career. Coming, yeah. To me. <laughs> <laughs> they have, yeah. You're like following them on Instagram and shit. Oh my God. I love this. Okay. And I like, I like how, you know, you have this awareness of, how to integrate that fun side, how to uh, tend to your Muppet loving, you know, inner Crystal Adams, who's like down with just the fun, goofy, silly shit, you know, and that you could integrate Mm -hmm. that world into your day to day, because it's not like how society has been dictating to us. It's like, you got to suffer, 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 suffer. And then at 65, you retire. And that's when you could have fun. It's like, nah, Mm -hmm. man, Kind of like mm-hmm. how you approach your your airboard and the air table. It's like, what am I feeling? You know, what do I have the energy for? What's gonna bring me joy? What am I gonna? Mm-hmm. What? It, yeah, like, what's the thing for me today? What's gonna nourish me today? Like, 
integrating that into the day-to-day, I think, in my opinion, is one way of getting past that fucking, you know, debris mold, you know, that's standing in your way. Yeah. I think you're already kind of doing it. So. Okay. That's that, what I Yay. Think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's in you anyway, you know, all this SoCal shit, like it's in you, man. Like it's in there. Um, at, so, okay. At the end of every uh, podcast episode with my comedic guest, I asked them flashcard questions based on a TV show that I talk about that week. So I'm going to ask you some flashcard questions. All I have to do is answer what you would do if you were in this situation. Is okay. that cool? All yeah. right. So the show I'm going to talk about is called One Spring Night. It's on Netflix. Uh, the same creators of the show uh, There's Something in the Rain, which is extremely popular. Um, so let's say you're a librarian named Chung In, and you have a boyfriend named Kisok who works at a bank. And you've been dating him for a long time, few years now, but he doesn't propose to you. And his rich dad never asks to meet with you. All right. And you're growing restless. What do you do? Great question, because actually... I mean, I've never been a librarian, but I have been in a situation where I was in a, I was in a relationship where they weren't thinking about proposing. Mm. Um, and uh, well, what I, I'll tell you what I did, but and then I'll try to put myself in, in really in her shoes. OK, um, what I did in this case was. I I just waited until he I changed. I think I literally manifested him to change his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think he, he actually just said he was like, I think it was a pandemic. Get surviving the pandemic through with you made me realize like I oh. I couldn't. Um, I had to spend my life with you, wow. and so. But he also had been divorced twice, which is why he God was damn. like you know trepidatious about yeah yes. And um, so I had actually previous to this come to the point where I was like, uh, you know, I I want to be married, but uh, I realized like the partnership that I had in him was more important than the paper. Mm-hmm. And then it shifted to like, no, actually, like, OK, I know he doesn't want to get married. And I know I've said I'm I'm OK with not getting married, mm-hmm. but. I would like to be married to this specific person. Ah. Like, I don't care about the institution of marriage, but it's this person. I would like to be married to this person. Mm. Anyway, and then he changed his mind. I don't I don't know how I don't know how to account for it. He just he did. Um and and now we're married. Um oh, wow. I <laughs> but I think if I were in this <laughs> I think if I was in this woman's position, I guess I I probably am going to say the same thing I said to myself, which is like, you know, what kind of partner is this person being to you? What kind of partner are they are they promising or showing that they will be to you? And you just decide, is the partnership worth it? I think Mm -hmm. that's that's the word that was not really in my vocabulary, um, like growing up when you like people talk about relationships and like. I didn't really even see it talked about on TV. Like, it's like, am I going to marry this person or am I not going to marry this person? Are mm-hmm. they marriage material? Like, right. as opposed to like, do you like this partnership? Do yeah. you see this partnership propelling you into the things that you want to be headed to? Yes. Um. So I would, yeah, it, yeah. I guess I, if I were her, I would, I would assess if this partnership is 
is going to take me to the places I want to be. Yeah. And and then if not, it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. Make an air <laughs> And table. who cares about the dad? I don't care about the dad not wanting to meet me. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely more of like this Korean like patriarchal shit. It's like always yeah. a thing. The parents are always like in the equation somehow and it makes everything a lot more dramatic and mm-hmm. that's why they have all these fucking korean dramas yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's the only thing they're good for really um okay so I, but i love that answer and i love i love how you said that you manifested it you know by knowing exactly precisely this is the person i want to be married to not i want to be married that's a huge mm-hmm. difference that a lot yes. of people don't get yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that Man, you're a genius, Crystal. <laughs> you should have you should have you should have your own TV show. Genuinely. That's how I genuinely feel. Fuck you, Oprah. Move aside. Billionaire white supremacist lady. Move aside. Crystal Adams. Her day has come. Okay, okay, okay. Let's say let's say you're a young man named Chiho, okay? You have a five-year-old okay. son. You're a single father. You work as a pharmacist and you meet this woman, Jungin, and she's really cute. Mm. She's funny. You like her, but she has a boyfriend and you know her boyfriend. You and mm-hmm. her boyfriend, Kisa, you guys play basketball together and you see mm-hmm. how he doesn't appreciate her at all. And you're really attracted to her. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is so good. <laughs> this is so good because you got to figure out, like, how do you navigate the friendship? as well as yes. the potential for something. Ooh. Um well, so I don't know how close I don't know how close we're assuming these two friends are. They're not that uh, close. Yeah. They're not that close. They okay. Just play basketball. So, yeah. Okay. So he can find somewhere else to play basketball. Um so I'm gonna say, yeah, we're not even having a conversation with that person. Mm. We have I would say I would initiate like some sort of either either a coffee or like a um, a group hangout, hmm. like some way for our past to like so, to, so that there could be like a conversation. Yeah. Right. And then out of that conversation, because I think sometimes what happens is like men do this thing where like they get I, I think women do it, too, where like they get um, they get into their obsessive brain. Yes. Right. You can obsess with that person without even having like actually genuine interactions with that person. Yeah. And so I think what he needs to do, I think he, he like I've if I'm him, I've got to set up more times where I'm interacting with her so that I can understand, is this genuine? Is what I feel genuine or uh-huh. is this just like, you know, she's just very pretty and she feels elusive and I like the chase and, mm. you know, people like things that they don't have they can't have Mm -hmm. and then if those feelings are still there at the interactions and you feel any sort of like vibe yeah then 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 you take the risk and say have have like a one-on-one and just say hey i'm gonna put this on the table here and i'm going to leave after i say what i'm i have to say because i want you to think about it and if if we don't need to have this conversation again, if it's weird, like I'm totally fine with that, but I need to you to know that this is how I feel. Mm. So that's that's what I that's what I would do. I would I, my first step would be testing it to see 
if what I feel is still there after having more genuine interactions with this person. Wow. I love that. That's exactly the thing most men don't do is Mm -hmm. to assess and feel out how do I really feel about this person yeah never fucking take the time to do that oh because the thing is is like if you see this girl right to me there is I'm sorry but and I don't I I don't even like that I'm putting it this way I wish I had better words Mm -hmm. to put it but I think there is something unattractive about Mm -hmm. accepting something that's beneath you Mm. and so I'm like what is it that you're so attracted to in this woman. She's clearly not in the space right now where she is. She's not, she's not even attracted to herself. Like she, she doesn't love her life enough to like choose better for herself. Right. In this moment, she's just going with the flow. Yeah. And I'm like, what's attractive about that? Right. So I would want him to know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is this real? Right. Is she really worth the whole thing? Because it is mm-hmm. a, it, the risks, the stakes are higher since she has this boyfriend, long term boyfriend and shit. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Were you like a math major or a STEM major? <laughs> <laughs> what did you study in, in school? Sociology. Ah, that's what it is. So, okay. You are a scientist. Sociologists are scientists. Social sciences. Yes. Yeah. That's why. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense now. Makes sense. You I know, mean, yeah. No, I ahead. think, I think some, I think, I think really anybody that's been left out of segments of society mm. ends up becoming some sort of a scientist. <laughs> like truly, because like when you, when you have to watch as other people get things very yeah. easily and okay. casually and take it for granted, uh-huh. then you're constantly assessing how that happened yes and i think it makes you a scientist and so for me like mm-hmm. i mean i have i i can't deny some of my privilege like my parents like did okay and like yeah. i was able to go to private schools mm-hmm. like all throughout my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. but i also like was you know never i never had like a boyfriend in high school like mm. i never had a boyfriend in college like men like seeing me as like walking to a room and it's weird because it's like I don't have self low self-esteem I don't think that I'm unattractive like I think I'm 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 okay but like especially in LA I'm just like watching like women just fall into relationships just accidentally ending up in relationships it's just not happening for me and so I think that in in itself turned me into a bit of a, a scientist in that regard of like Oh. I just like was constantly studying and trying to understand like what is happening here. Like I know it's a bit of it's a little bit of massage noir, but it, it's yeah. also it's also something else. Like yeah. you know, and I'm also obsessed with like you know, the, like the the Brontes and the <laughs> you know all, the Dickinson, like all of that. Like I yeah, <laughs> you have a romantic heart. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you do. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I relate to you completely. You're you're also the oldest, right? You have younger siblings. Technically, I am the middle child, but I did not meet my sister or know about her until I was in my twenties. Okay, so you you grew up as the yeah, older sibling. I grew up the oldest because yeah. I know you have a younger mm-hmm. sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think uh, that also brings on this air of maturity. Like you gotta, you know, stand tall for your younger sibling and for your parents. You know, you gotta play a certain role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's something I understand too, you know, like 
yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And sometimes I feel that way too, because I think especially in LA, it's like that. It's very uh, like a visual culture, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. very concerned with how they look, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And <laughs> as I get older and old, older, I care less and less about how I look, you know? Sometimes if I do try to doll up, it's really to make myself feel good that day. It's got nothing to do with the other the other gender and their gaze like it has nothing to do with that and um yeah like I think a lot of men are intimidated by women who come off as intellectual like you're somebody I think is an intellectual who Mm -hmm. has this mature air about them it's very intimidating to men because men are immature (laughs) and men are stupid you know and they don't want (laughs) they don't want to expose those sides to themselves but what they don't realize is that underneath what comes off as this air of maturity and air of, you know, like high sort of stature kind of thing is that silly, goofy, Muppet loving kid, you know, yeah. right? Who will vibe with that and love that silly, goofy, stupid <laughs> side of them. Yeah. And, you know, create nice things together. And uh, yeah. That if you think about it, it's the debris like that the men see, maybe the backside of the debris, but it's like <laughs> they're creating it, right? They're projecting mm-hmm. it. It's like, oh, she's this greatness. I'm not, I can't. Is it scary? You know? Or yes. like I don't even understand this. Like, how do I even, you know? I that's a, this is exactly why I've stopped. Like, I I don't I don't like saying in any form saying like men are intimidated Hmm. i literally because i think that puts i I think that puts the the burden back on to the woman to be Mm. less intimidating yeah i think it's not that men are intimidated it's that men don't like women who know who they are that is literally what it is and that puts the emphasis and the responsibility back on them where it belongs (laughs) They don't. They don't like women who know who they are. That is literally what it is. And when we say that you're intimidating to men, what we are saying is that there's something about you. And if you could do something about it, then they wouldn't be intimidated. Mm -hmm. No, they don't like women who know who they are. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you're right. Oh, that's that's amazing. No, I, I used to use the word, this word intimidation as like, well, that's that's their fault. But yeah, you're right. It's like it's it makes the woman sound defective. Yes. Okay. Woman who has certainty and sureness about who she is. Actually, somebody, this is my my aunt. I have an aunt. She's a librarian, actually. Oh my God. My aunt's a librarian in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> she she's real daffy. Like she like joins like intellectual cults and shit and like lives with them in like the mountains and stuff. And um, I once, she has like a husband and a kid and everything, but she's like separated from it. It's like, I'm like, you're madness. I love you. I love you. Be your weirdo creature self. I went and I stayed with her one night and I met one of these like, like PhD asshole, narcissistic, patriarchal dudes was kind of sitting in the high seat and I was like sitting with her and like you know just watching and be like who's gonna bring tea and like of course a woman goes and brings tea and I'm like oh like rolling my eyes the whole time mm-hmm. and I wasn't saying much <laughs> I was just kind of just being present mm-hmm. and and he keeps talking talking about himself and in the middle he stops and he turns to my aunt doesn't doesn't say it to me says mm-hmm. it to my aunt and he goes she seems like somebody who's real sure of herself 
And <laughs> my aunt goes, yes, she knows who she is. And he goes, hmm. And he just drinks his tea. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't talk to me. Doesn't ask me questions. Doesn't want to have a conversation with me. That's just, yeah. That's what mm-hmm. it was. So what mm-hmm. you're saying is like illuminating. Again, you're genius. You need to have a show. <laughs> like the people need to know. <laughs> oh, I love that. And you know, what does that say? It's like if, if a woman knows who she is, a man should also know who the fuck he is. I mean, if this is a hetero coupling, a mm-hmm. man who knows who he is, right, wouldn't dislike mm-hmm. a woman who knows who she is right because mm-hmm. there's there are no questions it's like mm-hmm. we will be independent you know we'll know we'll, and we'll respect each other for that right like i had to write that down i was like grace what what the what the fuck like what is <laughs> what is love to you man you know like i had to ask myself I was like all your relationships man like what that that, that wasn't love what is love fucking spell it out what's your mm-hmm. definition right mm-hmm. and i was like i don't know i don't know i don't know came to me recently i wrote it out i was like what do i prioritize in a loving relationship comfort number one you know secondly respect you know and lastly uh inspiration like i want it to be inspired and fun like i was like those are the three things i would like in a relationship i want comfort i want respect you know because with comfort comes acceptance and all that respect means you're independent that person's independent you respect each other's independence and you want each other's you praise each other mm-hmm. want each other to succeed and inspiration meaning it's not going to be fucking yeah. boring <laughs> you know it's going to be fun mm-hmm. and it's going to be yeah. nice <laughs> right i think having having that written yep. down and knowing yep. what it is that you want is also important in approaching love with that kind of intention yeah absolutely you're so wise yeah. There's a there's a trigger warning. This gets there's some domestic violence stuff in this uh, show, but it's it's okay. it's got this pro- productive progressive message behind it. Okay, so okay. let's say you're a news anchor named Ha-in. you're mm-hmm. Chung Yin's older sister. Okay, mm-hmm. you're married to a dentist, and you're currently separated from this dentist husband because he used to hit you. Okay. Not only did he hit you, but he also raped you, sexually assaulted mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that that's not possible in marriage. It happens all the time in married relationships, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you feel like you can't tell anybody about this because of the shame that you feel, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, a victim of domestic abuse also, all, always have that shame. But also because mm-hmm. you're a high-profile person. I mean, you're on television every night, mm-hmm. okay? Your husband is also a high-profile person. He's a dentist who's made a lot of TV appearances. Mm-hmm. You want a divorce from him. You want it to be quiet, but he won't sign the papers, what do you do? Do they have kids? No kids. Perfect. Here we go. Um, because it's a different story when there's kids. It's like <laughs> it is when there's kids. It's like, and you have a high profile parent, then their reputation is also swept mm. up in it because you know they're at school. Like near, if your parents are known, like it's just like their business is more out there than it would be. You know, had they not have high profile parents. Yeah. Now they could have a gossipy like you know community, but it's yeah. just to me, I, I I think you have a responsibility when you have a platform to protect your kids who didn't ask for the platform. Yeah. 
But this mofo, okay. Um, <laughs> since they do not have kids, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think my main thing, like if I if I were her friend, and I would I was talking to her, what I would say and what I would encourage her to think about mm-hmm. is about all of the women who are the in the exact same position mm-hmm. that she's in, mm-hmm. um, and. And to think about in what way she can either represent them front facing or behind the scenes. Mm. Because I think sometimes when people, when they're so in it, mm. the first step in helping them out of it is actually to think about somebody, somebody outside of themselves. Mm. It's not actually to think about themselves. It's actually to think about like who somebody who would be in a similar situation as you, that you mm. could inspire or that you could help. Right. Mm. And so I would tell her, okay, if you don't want to do this front facing, if you don't want to do it publicly, mm-hmm. then maybe you need to start helping women who are in your same situation so that you can get some perspective. Because right now she only has herself and she only has, and like, I'm sure her friends are like, you know, well, you haven't been through what I've been through. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so she needs to be around people who have been through what she's been through so she can get mm-hmm. some fucking perspective and, and then make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately, like, the decision that needs to come to is that she needs to take her power back and release herself from the shame. And I think there's no better way to free yourself from shame than to go public with it, mm-hmm. to go public with your part and to go public with their part. And that's literally why I tell the joke I tell about the how my ex owes me $4,000. Mm-hmm. Because when that happened and how that all happened, his assumption after we broke up was that he had done what he had needed to do to um to honor me and and therefore um retain my silence Hmm. which is a very elevated way of thinking of yourself Mm -hmm. when like but what really like he but i think there was something subconsciously he knew so subconsciously he knew Mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to say anything mm. because it would be too embarrassing for me. Oh, but I spent time thinking, why is it embarrassing for me? Mm. Wait, it's embarrassing for me because society constantly shifts the blame in cases like this to the victim. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever says, Oh my God, I can't believe he did that to you. Oh my God, let's go. Da 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 da. Like, Everybody says, well, you shouldn't have done X. Right. You shouldn't have been doing X, Y, Z. And so all of our language is tied up in mm. victim, re-victimizing the victim. Mm. And, and so that was the only way that I could initially think about it. Yeah. And I realized, like, I have never heard a stand-up comedian, mm. female or otherwise, mm. talk about this on mm. stage. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. If we are known for going there, yeah. why? Mm. So I'm going to talk about this because I know that there are people out there who are in my exact same spot and wish they had a way to like have a release and a cathartic moment over a painful situation. Mm-hmm. And I've had women come up to me afterwards and like just give me a knowing nod or like say thank you. Right. And that's 
to me, and, and every time I get to talk about it on stage, I feel like I took back the power mm-hmm. from the situation because what's at the end of the day, it's not this money. Mm-hmm. This money isn't what is the key. That What's the key for me was feeling powerless. Yeah. And feeling like without a voice. Mm-hmm. So... She needs to go hop on her TV show or get a, like a, a somebody who wants to write a book or write a story on her and, mm-hmm. and just and have at it, you know, yeah. like get her lawyers on it, tighten up the argument so that he can't come back with any sort of libel or whatever the hell like. Right. Um, yeah. That's what I would do. I wouldn't even give him like some I you see this a lot in TV shows where they yeah. they give them the the opportunity to be like, if you don't sign this i will do the x uh-huh. and you know publicize yeah. right personally i would just go for it because <laughs> um especially when you're you're doing okay financially it's just yeah. like what's the money it's a symbol it's a symbol uh, uh, it is that's the other thing that's the other illusion right that's the other fucking debris shit it's like money stands in a lot of people's ways i can't do it because i can't afford it or i can't do it because he gave me money or i can't do it because money 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 but it's like money is such a big problem it's not a resolution to anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's an aspect of me oh that my really, God. I despise money. <laughs> I met up. Do you know Walter Hong? He's a comedian. Absolutely. He, yeah. So Walter, I went to Walter's house to play with his mm. dogs. And uh, he, we were just talking. And I was just like, you know, I, I, I'm i not an actor. Like, I know I'd be good at it. But I hate all my, like, the, the messed up neuroses of a lot of my actor friends. I'm not ever going to put myself in that situation. I, I would, you know, I'm built as a mm-hmm. leader. I think I'd be good in the director's seat. Like I like Judd Apatow's career. And I was like talking about things like that. He's like, so you want to be a director? I was like, yeah. I was like, I want to be like a cult classic director. And he goes, so you don't like money is what he says. And I was like, nah. I was like, yeah, I guess I don't like, I'm really not motivated by money at all in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for artists to not be motivated by social media followers or money or deals, you know? It's like really focus Mm -hmm. on the craft, focus Mm -hmm. on the work, focus on what you're Mm -hmm. feeling, vibing with, let that Mm -hmm. guide you through the flow as Crystal said, hello, and the shit will come to you. Whatever you need will come to you, right? Yes. Oh man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's tricky, you know. And this is a conversation I have with a lot of women, and I ask it all the time. I'm like, what comes after me too? What comes after me too? I ask it all the time, because we can't sit in mm. the rage mm. and anger. We can't stay there, because that's no way to live, man. It's uncomfortable to be there. How do we find healing? How do we find productive means of getting past this? How do we help others, right? And I like how you said that this person this character needs a support system right how do we go and just support somebody whenever like Mm -hmm. some new cancellation news comes on right you know people go online and they start talking shit you know and i'm like what you could also do is just go donate very quietly to a women's shelter or to planned parenthood or call up a friend one of your girlfriends and check in how are you feeling today (laughs) I feel like every woman I know is traumatized mm-hmm. in some way. How are you feeling today? <laughs> you know, that is a mm-hmm. nice, supportive, warm, 
productive means of being a supportive person in society I think you know and and that also shows that we have agency right in that in that matter like a lot there's a lot to be angry about in the news but it's like what can I do to within my local reach with whatever I can offer you know in Mm -hmm. small ways like that I think that would be healing yeah Mm. okay let me ask you the last question then so you're Chongin. Yeah. <laughs> you're Chongin again. You're that main character, okay? You find out about your older sister's mm-hmm. situation. Your older your older sister, by the way, is also pregnant now. Fuck. She's pregnant. She says she's gonna keep it too. She's keeping their baby. So okay. you mm-hmm. you go with your older sister to your parents' house because your sister is now gonna tell your parents what the deal mm-hmm. is and that she's gonna leave her husband because he's abusive. He assaulted her and mm-hmm. she's pregnant she's gonna keep the baby like it's, it's like whoa what oh my gosh <laughs> um and you hear your dad say to your older sister your career and status obsessed father image obsessed father you hear him mm-hmm. say to your older sister mm-hmm. stay married to him what do you do um go off i don't know <laughs> I hope she went off. I hope that whatever. I hope she had like a, an award-winning speech. Um, because yeah. no, that right. is not that is not like a person's life, their inner life, their emotions mm-hmm. is worth so much more than a relationship. And this is honestly, this is literally the position that my mom was in. Like <laughs> you're actually describing my mom, which is like, oh, you know, shit. she. I, I mean, the status stuff wasn't there, but it's like mm. she was convinced by um, her dad and um, people around her to 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 marry and mm. to stay with um, my former stepdad, and mm. I think it fucked everybody up. Like right. my brother, um, mm-hmm. his image now of being a man mm. is living off of women. Damn. He does not like that is literally what he believes a man is, is, you know, just going from woman like and now he's literally my brother's literally literally homeless, you know, and that was the whole conceit of like encouraging her to stay with the with my former stepdad, which was, you know, he needs a man in his life, you know, you need to, you know, you need to stay with him because he needs to grow up with a father. And it's just like, really? Wow. This was the best option. Like. No. Right. Hmm. Mm-mm. And what I'm hearing there is also like that kind of gaslighting, which is driven by their fears, right? Mm-hmm. It's got this false belief that there is no abundance of good father figures out there. Like what people mm-hmm. think is that the father who's blood related will be the only fucking father for that child. It's like, no way. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I have a younger brother, and this is kind of sad. It was, like, heartbreaking when he told me this, but it was, like, it, there was also some, like, uh, some good goodness that came from it. He was, like, I went to Barnes & Noble, and I found this book of letters written by uh, famous people's parents. Mm. And he was just reading that. Mm-hmm. I'm, mean, like, getting emotional just, like, saying this, but he was just looking for ideal parental figures mm-hmm. to speak to him. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's like making me like sad right now but there are ways around it if the people that were dealt in your life are not the ones that are the best for you there are others that you can go and find because you Mm -hmm. have that choice to go and find them Mm -hmm. and the world is abundantly full of those good things and those good people that you can go and decide this is going to be my role model this is going to be the person I strive to be right and we do it every day in in different ways like uh you know, when we idolize celebrities and shit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But -hmm. we could do that for, like, to nurture the inner child in us with other figures, right? And those kinds of archetypes exist. They're out there all the time. And that, um, again, that heteronormative, ideal, familial construction, that Christian mentality of what a family should be and must be, right? How that rigidity really suffocates and injures mm-hmm. a lot of the people that need that nurturing and growth the children in this particular instance right but yeah it's 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 heartbreaking what you just said yeah and it's a it's a reality for a lot of people but you know i mean mm-hmm. you got the wisdom you know <laughs> you have it you see it oh that's so crazy that um that that this storyline relates to your own your own family storyline that's that's insane yeah that's some of that socal shit the kismet shit you know <laughs> kismet shit man it's like california spiritual shit man <laughs> can't avoid it anyway um no, this was great. Thank you, Crystal. Is there anything you want to plug or you have yeah. upcoming shows or anything? Um, well, when does it come out? I think next month. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I think well, hopefully we'll still be running our um new show that we're doing called Overdue Comedy mm. in Glendale and um yeah, and then we're getting back to uh, recording soon for Black Car Rehab. So that should mm-hmm. be coming back. So yeah. that'll be on all the things. I mean, it's still on all the things if people want to listen. The log is there. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> Dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is amazing. And um, yeah, Crystal, you're, you're also amazing. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.